Welcome to Safety Factor. My name is Ben Hankst, and today we're talking about how to develop your own in-house safety program. I'm joined by two safety experts from Mozilla, Alana Cohen, safety coordinator, and Kevin Paul, Mozilla's director of safety. So Mozilla really takes safety seriously. It is one of the company's core values, and as such, the in-house safety program that Mozilla has developed is pretty important. I assume it has gone through a pretty big evolution throughout the years, and I want to find out more about that. But first, I'd like to hear a bit more about you and how you got into your roles as leaders in safety. So can you tell me a bit about your journey uh, throughout your career? Um, I'm pretty new to safety. I've only been doing it probably about mm, four years now. I kind of just fell into it by chance, ended up going to school for it. I've done a lot of site safety out in the field, especially in the phosphate mines, and been with Mozilla almost a year now. Next month will be a year. So what brought you into safety? Um, I've grown up in the scrap business and I used to work for my dad's scrap yard and he needed somebody to start doing safety. So I got picked for it and I didn't really know a whole lot about the details to a lot of safety. I mean, we never had our own safety program there. Um, I've had other safety programs from customers that we did business with, especially with demolition work. I kind of had to learn how to have the safe, how to make the programs and things like that. So I ended up just going to school for it. And how'd you end up at Mozilla? I was doing site safety um, at Mosaic at one of our big com customers. It was contract safety work and the contract was coming to an end. Um, it's kind of hard to work for family. So I was ready to move on from the scrapyard and met some of the technicians from, from Bartow that were out there working. By chance, I asked them, hey, y'all hiring? And Kevin, how about you? How'd you start off? How'd so your I, career get rolling? I've been with Mozilla a lot longer than Alana. Um, I actually interned here back in the day. Um, so I, I worked in the shop. I was making a lot of the wire rope slings, doing a lot of the proof testing, doing some material handling. And then I kind of just stayed with the company as I graduated and kind of grew with the company. Um, I kind of dabbled with quality, uh, lean manufacturing, um, IT, business systems, and then probably about six, seven years ago, the company then decided, hey, we need to make safety more of a dedicated position. They reached out to me and thought I'd be a good fit. Um, I didn't have much experience in it, um, but I knew what I needed to do or who I needed to learn from. So they helped network me with some people, and I kind of grew from there. I really like working with people. It's kind of what drew me into the safety aspect. Um, I like trying to make a difference, send people home and the home to their families and friends, and it just it's kind of been uh, something new each day. It's it's not repetitive. There's a whole lot that comes up, whether it's a customer site you're visiting for the first time or something new you're you're producing in house. It's uh, it's been neat. So, what drew you to safety? Like, what pulled you into it? Um, I I kind of just saw the the way the world was going, and I I saw a big opportunity with companies making to uh, safety. Um, I saw it kind of on our end with whether it be our service crews going into certain sites that have a lot stringent programs in place. And then I kind of saw, you know, some of the stuff we've had take place in our uh, respective companies and kind of what that could do to a business, where we might have some gaps and kind of, I saw an op opportunity to make a big difference. So why should a company have their own in-house safety program 
In your opinion, is it necessary? What are the benefits to it? It's, it's actually a requirement from OSHA, so like uh, the Occupational Safety Health Administration. But that's not why you do it. I mean, OSHA is just kind of, it's, it's, they're the minimum requirements. You do it because it's the right thing to have. Like you want to be able to, to have your coworkers feel safe, your team members go home in the same condition they arrived to work in. And there's a lot of like T's you got to cross and I's you got to dot to get to that point. And it, there's an investment from the company to go down that path. So Lonnie, you started off working with families. So how did, uh, how did they get their start? How did they decide that you were going to be the uh, safety person? Uh, well, I got voluntold that I was going to be me. Um, so we were doing, we did a lot of demo demolition work alongside the scrap, um, started getting some really big customers that required to have a safety person with them. Um, so it kind of started from that. We had to first build a, we had to get a safety manual. The scrap industry is a little bit different than what we do over here at Mozilla as far as small groups. OSHA doesn't really bother them, so they don't push all the rules versus some larger companies. So when we started dealing with the larger companies, we had to start having those manuals and the representations and things like that. Um, I, My dad knew I'd be good at it. It's something, the nice thing about our job, about what we do is it'll always be there. We'll always have a job. Somebody will always need safety, whether it's keeping them safe or they've had an incident that they need to fix. And so kind of, he saw an opportunity for me to build a future and for the company to be able to build. So it kind of worked out for both of us in the end. It's kind of neat too, like being able to explain like why we do stuff or why things have to be done a certain way. Cause it's the world we live in, but like for those that, you know, it's not their primary, you know, thing that they do day in and day out, you kind of got to relate to them and understand like, hey, what's a practical way of going about this, but making sure it's the right thing we're doing. So like, it kind of goes back to like keeping stuff as simple as possible and standardizing it. And that way it's, you know, as the company grows, so too can the safety program and every program there for that matter. I think I was, I think my background too has helped me as come over here and help like the technicians and stuff understand why they need to do things a certain way because I, I've been on the other side. I've been in the field just like they have in the same places that they have. So I think that's helped kind of bridge that gap too because there, there was a lack of safety for a little while and we're definitely making some progress here. And to, to follow that up, like, yeah, like you've, you've got to build that relationship. Like you can't say, hey, come to me or ask me and, you know, and then not get back to them or not be able to support them. Like you've got to be able to answer their questions or let them know that you'll get back to you with an answer if you don't have it right then and there. And I think that's where like the relationship grows and it really does start to take shape and people start to own more of it and feel more comfortable coming to you with the stuff you want them to. It's not been easy. I mean, we're still struggling trying to get everybody on board with doing certain things, but we're getting, we are making progress with it and they are starting to understand and they appreciate the fact if we don't know the answer, we just tell them, hey, we don't know right now. Let me look into it instead of either acting like we do or just feeding them something that's off the wall. Do you find you get a lot of pushback from people being the, the safety guy who's telling everyone how to do their job and how to be safe? 
I'd say I'd say we get not a lot of pushback, but yes, pushback. I mean, it's in anything. Like people are going to question like why you have to do something, and that's why I think it's important. Like the messaging that you put out there. Like, like here's what we need to do, but here's why we need to do that. Like we're not just doing it because you know some regulation says that we're doing it because the regulation says that because there was been a huge emphasis on amputations in the industry, or there's been a lot of fatalities that have kind of led to something like this. So it's like. You've got to kind of understand, like, hey, just because something happened, something hasn't happened to us the last 20 years doesn't mean we're not susceptible to having it happen to us tomorrow. So kind of using the whole continuous improvement model, which I know Mozilla is a big advocate of, and we've got, you know, a quality team in-house that they focus on continuous improvement. But understanding we're always trying to get better. We're always trying to understand which hazards there are. We're always trying to control them, um, offer up solutions. Okay, so you said that having an in-house safety program is required by OSHA. So what are the requirements for an in-house safety program? And then how, what, what do people do, do to achieve this? What does it take? So like the big thing is you've got to identify what you do. So like you kind of get, get the scope. Here's what, what our business does, what it entails. And then you've got to have documentation that kind of goes along with that. You've got to have training that goes along with it. And then you have, have to have audits in place. So like OSHA, again, they they rule, they rule lay out like the minimum standards that you need to do, like, hey, training needs to be done every 12 months or before you start or every three years. But the in-house program has to make it, it suitable for your environment. Like if, if you're doing material handling, whether it's by crane or forklift, like you want to make sure the, the people that are operating those are competent in that landscape. So like if if you have a warehouse, you want to make sure they understand how to navigate that warehouse. If you have to load and unload storage racking, like you've got to put your eyes on them and they need to understand how to do that specific tasks in your environment. That's why like a lot of people try to send people to outside uh, locations for training, which is great. I mean, but it's also more most beneficial when you can put your own eyes on them and put them through your own experiences in your uh, specific environments. What do you think, Alana? I agree with you. We try and do as much in-house of the training as possible for multiple reasons. For the one, we know exactly what they're getting and we can kind of gauge the information that they need or don't need. Um, and we can see how they react to it. So then we know how to, what does or doesn't seem to work for the future with trainings. So how can a company start their in-house safety program? What are the first steps that they need to take to get going, to get the ball rolling? So like the big thing that we did, we, we kind of said, hey, all right, we do these 25 things, let's just say. And we started kind of making a list. And then we looked at any like incident trends that we might be able to have visible to us. Um, so whether it's OSHA logs, um, claim information from your insurance provider, try to get an idea of a, what, what's happened in the past that's caused some ill will for the company or the employees. And kind of say, all right, is there any easy, uh, items to attack, like low-hanging fruit. Like, hey, do we need to get a clarity around this type of equipment? Or we, we have a gap with um, understanding on how to operate X. Like, so you kind of look at kind of what's, what's been happening that you can to improve that going forward. And then also like, like what we said earlier, what else do we do that maybe we haven't had incidents with, but we want to make sure the new people we bring on tomorrow have the same understanding as the person that's been doing it for 30 years. You know, Lana, what, what steps did you have when you were starting off uh, with your family, getting their safety program? How'd you get it going? We worked um, with another safety company that that's pretty much what they do. Now they've added in trainings and things like that. Um, they kind of helped us build our safety manual. 
um, helped us build a safety plan. We took a lot of resources from customers that we were dealing with and adap- kind of adapted some of their policies and just changed it to what we needed, um, like with JSAs and things like that. Yeah, and to your point, like we brought in our insurance providers and we walk, we did walk-arounds with them and they did risk assessments for us and they kind of helped, yeah, call attention to stuff that, again, we can put action around to improve going forward. Um, so like insurance, workers comp, um, safety, your network, um, outside consultants, those are all good tools to kind of have in your back pocket to help you improve. And does Mozilla help uh, get things going? Do we do training and things like that for other companies that might want to get started? Absolutely. Um, it's more of like a niche though, like like fall protection. Mozilla can come in, provide you training, do a working at height risk assessment, you know, rigging inspections. We've got a, a full staff team that can go on site. They can look at all your slings and rigging. Um, overhead cranes, again, we can inspect, train you, troubleshoot. We can kind of help you with any of those areas. Um, storage racking is becoming more and more. We can help provide you safe solutions so you can store what you need to. Um, so yeah, Mozilla is just like other third-party consultants, like Mozilla is a good company to, to use to make sure you're having a safe workplace. So how has Mozilla's safety program changed and grown over the years? Walk me through like from when it was a little baby to what it is now. So one of the one of the neat things to kind of see over the years transform is just how it's become more of like everybody's vocabulary. Um, so like we do daily huddles or weekly meetings, whether it be tacticals or touches. And, and now it's safety is kind of a, a topic or a component to those type of meetings. Um, so it's kind of neat to hear like you're not waiting for you know the month to finish to hear if hey we had any incidents or not. It's we're finding out that day or the next day. Here's what we happened had happened. Here's what we did to correct it, and then we can share that information across the the growing network. Um, the other thing that's kind of been neat is the company recently adopted safety as a core value. So you know we always say like we're humble, we're hungry, we're smart, we want lifelong learners. Well now we want to make sure safety's at the forefront of that uh, value as well. So just kind of whether it's new hires, job descriptions, interviews, um, it's kind of something that we're, we're inquiring about ahead of time, making sure it's a proper fit for our growing team. What drove that? Why now? Why is now safety a core value? Or has it always been we just never said safety th- is a core value? I think it's, it's always been, but it's never been said. And I think now that it's in writing, it's, and we can hold people accountable to just that. Like, hey, are you is that are you doing safety first? Like, are you sacrificing something to get the job done? Well, you can't sacrifice safety. So I think it, it's kind of it helps with the accountability piece of, uh, from a peer to peer. Seeing that we have had instances over the years, just like any other company's going to have, and once it starts. To when you start realizing that it's affecting you with customers, it's affecting you with different things, you know, insurances and whatnot, you realize, okay, maybe we need to make this a little bit bigger. I think it's always been a thing, but now it's even bigger. And now we're bridging that communication gap too, which has helped tremendously to make safety be pushed to the front. So as companies start small and they start growing their safety program and becoming bigger, how can they move forward? Like, are there certifications that they can get? Like, what can they do to grow their safety programs from 
beginning to like building it into something important that they really focus on. So yeah, there's there's a lot of um, like you said certifications. There's a lot of accreditations you can get. You know, as a company, you can OSHA has a, like a voluntary protection program that they can put in place. So like I recently just got my uh, certified safety professional um, credential, I guess. Um, but what that is is like a, a full-time safety professional. I've got the necessary, you know, understanding. Basically, I had to pass a really tough exam to do that. Um, so it was a lot of studying, study time leading up to a lot of outside training. But the other thing the company's done is we now have like OSHA 10-hour training available to employees. So like specifically on the crane service tech side, like any new hire that starts, we're putting them through that accreditation. So they're getting OSHA 10-hour certifi certified. Um, we've got a lot of individual trainers that like take place, whether it's with Mazella and ITI, to become a certified rigging inspector, an overhead crane inspector, um, operator training. I know Alana's working on her OSHA 30, right? Yeah, that's 30 long hours. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff like the company's investing in, a lifelong learning being a core value. Like, hey, we'll, we'll support you reach out to what you need to to continue your growth with the company and make us a better program. Nolana, the same for you, like how did uh, you grow the safety program uh, both before with your family company and then how are you growing within the program now here at Mozilla? I think I've grown a lot more over here. Why is that? Honestly, when you remove that family dynamic, it just, your whole mentality changes and I think I've just done a lot better. I've grown a lot here in many different ways, but definitely with safety. I've learned a lot more about safety here. Doing OSHA 30, like Kevin said, I ended up getting my degree in safety. Maybe one day I'll do my CSP, but I don't know, it's a lot to take in. And seeing like the technicians or the managers interact with her, like it's true, like she's gotten their respect, like she said, in less than a year. And and that industry, it's it's not easy to, you know, say that for everybody. So I think it's a, a testament to her and like, like she's very practical. She, she's willing to do the right thing, but also, you know, not try to put a bunch of red tape around something that doesn't need red tape. That was definitely something that took a while because it, it is a different crowd on dealing with the technicians. They're, they are, they're tough guys. They're the best, great, love them all. Um, but they are, they're, they're tough and they're very close knit. And when they see an outsider come in, they're kind of like, put the guard up. But then when they see automatically that your title is safety, then it's, you know, double the wall. So it took a little bit to break through. And once they realized that, I mean, I'm not just a pencil pusher. I've worked right outside with them plenty and, and they realize that they can trust me and I'm not there to safety cop them because I think safety copying is by far one of the most counterproductive things that you could do in safety. And um, I understand that sometimes, you know, you you have to do some, I don't wanna say questionable things, but there's like things that are like, okay, let's, let's talk about it and see if there's a different way to come around to do it, to get the job done than just allowing them to do whatever they would have done in the past. But instead of just going out there and barking orders and no, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. When you talk to them and say, hey, let's figure out a different route. There's gotta be a safer way, whatever it may be. They they change their attitude and they're like, okay, no problem. And nine times out of 10, we find a different route and everybody gets to go home, all fingers and toes and limbs and happiness. 
So how do you win them over? Oh, sometimes you just really got to put them back in their place. <laughs> they, I'll tell anybody, it, they're the type of guys that if they're not hassling you and talking a little crap to you, then they don't like you. So if they know that you can dish it back to them just as much as they can give it to you and, you know, you keep it within the within a box, then you're fine. And um, they just – I just had a really – try to build their trust it was not easy I didn't let them get away with just whatever but I didn't nitpick them either I think is more it's it's honestly it's how you talk to them if you talk to them like the adults that they are then you you usually don't have an issue it's they have the issue when people come out there and bark the orders or try and tell them this is how you're supposed to do it when they don't they don't know how to actually do it. They've never done it a day in their life. These guys are working long hours. They're hot. They're tired. They've been away from their families. They're, they don't want to be pushed around. They want, if you have a problem, let's talk about it. And it helps. So once they realize about that about you, you're, they'll, they'll do anything for you. Yeah, the communication is, is huge. Um, the other thing, too, like how, how it's kind of changed and grown over the years is is like the vocabulary has shifted a little bit from like what we're we're measuring. Like, you know, it used to be like, hey, what's your OSHA incident rates? What's your experience modification rating from your insurance provider? It's like that a lot of lagging stuff. Like you 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 need to know, but you don't really want to like harp on it because it's it's so lagging. So like we've shifted a lot of people to like the leading indicators. Like, hey, what are we doing from inspections or auditing or training or you know behavior based recognition like. How can we start measuring more of that and making sure we're doing what's right to prevent the stuff from happening? So like we, we've kind of increased our audits. And again, it's, it's not an Alana and, and Kevin thing that are doing all these audits. It's usually the site lead or the manager. And they're kind of doing a self-reflection. Like, again, we're not trying to say you gotta be 100%, but we're trying to call out opportunities where improvement can take place. So is there equipment that needs to be modified? Maybe an extension cord needs to be scrapped and replaced or, We've got to improve the guard that's currently on a piece of machinery. I know making sure we're looking at who's qualified to operate certain types of equipment. So you can't, we kind of use these audits to kind of self-improve and we've kind of kicked that up a notch um, from where we were years ago to where we're at currently. We try and have the managers make the audits be a positive thing. I tell them like, you don't need to just do a surprise attack on your, on your crew and cause that doesn't always work and we don't want it to be a negative thing at all. Hey, take them out to lunch if you have time. Spend a little time with them, especially, I know definitely in, on the crane side, a lot of these technicians, I mean, just here in Bartow, we have, well, I don't even close to 30 technicians and maybe 10, 12 of them come to the shop. Half of them live in the north part of the state, the other half live in the south part of the state. Like, they're hours away, so you know, you're not, you, you may not get to see him. So go there, spend a, spend a little bit of time with them, you know, get to know your guys. We don't want it to be just, okay, well, I'm here to look at this, this, and this, and, you know, get you in trouble. We don't, we've really tried to stress that with about the audits and it so far, it's been a positive reaction. Any mistakes or lessons you learned along the way? Uh, getting our, our program started? Any wisdom you would like to give to others that so they don't make the same mistake. Try not to find fault in everything, but like, you know, hey, thank you for, you know, 
wearing your seatbelt when you're operating the forklift, or good job handling that load, you know, low and slow, or I see you were 100% tied off the entire time. Like, I feel like we, we're starting to do a little better job. We're not certainly there, but we're doing a better job kind of calling out the, the good along with, you know, where we can improve. So, carrot and the stick situation. Yeah, right. Like, to, especially in our world, you only hear about like stuff usually when it goes wrong. It's, it's refreshing to hear about all the stuff that's going right, mm -hmm. you know? Like, they, I feel like they were the, they do better or want to do better, like the technicians and not even just technicians, but people in general, they want to do better when they know that there's some type of reward for it. It could be something as a good job or, or a pencil that says Mazella on it. They don't care what it is. They just want somebody to tell them. And cause that happens a lot. And especially in big companies, they'll tell you, they'll tell you everything you're doing wrong, but they never tell you anything you're doing right. So sometimes a little, Hey, you're doing great today good job, you know, that that goes a long way, and then it'll encourage them to keep doing better. Because, like, and that's, Ben, when we have, like, an incident, like, we're never trying to say, like, it's so-and-so's fault or they're the, they're the blame. It's always like, all right, here's what happened. Usually it's a process breakdown. It's like, what are the corrective actions we can learn from there? Like, we're never trying to, like, let's fire this person because they reported an incident, there's an incident. It's, that's, that's not the right way to go about it. You want to make sure you have care and concern and you want to find out the root causes because a lot of times it's some stuff out of the person's control. And we want to make sure we hone in on that and we kind of commit to, all right, here's what we're going to do by X date and we're going to share this information with anybody that may be impacted. So I think that's the other thing kind of from the company side is, you know, we're not looking to, to throw somebody under the bus. We're looking to get everybody on the bus. So do you like that analogy? I like that analogy. <laughs> Use your gut feel like a lot of times too, like, cause sometimes it is, it's stuff is gray. It's not always black and white, but like you kind of got to ask, is this the right thing to do? Like, you know, and it work as a team, like you, nothing's ever so important that you can't stop and call somebody and get clarification around something. So I think that's like the big thing is like understanding like, Hey, we have time. Like, just because you're at a customer in front of somebody right then and there doesn't mean you can't stop and take the extra couple seconds, minutes to make sure we're all on the same page. And I think that's kind of taken me a little long time to understand is like, you know, it's okay to say, hang on, or we'll get back to you. Or I don't feel comfortable doing that right now. Let's wait till we, you know, get clarification from the customer, or the, the manager, or the end user. Let's wait till we get a different piece of equipment in place. So I think, understanding and like the company fully supports it is hey we're we're willing to you know spend the extra five ten minutes whatever it takes to eliminate the shortcut that might get us in trouble i think the fact that our the our guys know that we do take care of them we don't treat them like a number i mean mazella is a massive company very easily we could all just be a number but it's not like that here and some of them have come from companies where they were so they were afraid to say, hey, I, this isn't safe, let me stop this, or take that extra five or 10 minutes because they knew that there'd be some type of repercussion. So I think that the fact that they know that that's not how it is, that's not gonna be the Mazella way whatsoever, you're not gonna just be a number, even if there's a million of you, it's, you'll never just be a number. We want you to have that relationship with us and with your managers, whoever, because when they think production, 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 and not safety, that's when you just start having problems. 
it used to be hard to get people to like do a safety talk with their team, like a toolbox talk, like just kind of, hey, take a topic and communicate to your team. Because we didn't have a whole lot of managers in place and we didn't have the, the dialogue or the platform for them to share it. So it's like, it's kind of been neat to see that evolution to where like now there is, yeah, like the managers and their teams are, are speaking and they're going through a topic. They're under, hey, this is how it pertains to us. Here's what we need to do to control this. And you're kind of getting that clarity. And it's kind of been refreshing to see, or people ask like, hey, you know, do you have anything on this topic? You know, it's, it's gonna be 98 degrees here in the next week. Like, do you have some stuff on heat illness or dehydration or heat stress? Like. Instead of us kind of always just pushing it, it's kind of like been neat to see the poll happen from certain spots. So before were people putting up walls, now they're actually requesting. Right, like, hey, do you have more? Or what about this situation? Like, we want to make sure we have clarity around this topic. So it's, it is, I think, to what we said earlier, we're finally getting some you know good relationship building and people wanting to use us, knowing that we're... We're not trying to be a, a safety cop. We're trying to be a, a safety support system. They've been really patient with us too because they know it's just us right now. And we're trying to take care of all the locations, which is, and it's a lot, especially when you're spread across the country and I'm in Florida, Kevin, you're in Ohio. And what about the people way out in Colorado or, you know, we don't want anybody to feel forgotten. So we try and really keep that open line and check in with everybody. And, and I mean, we, the last couple of years didn't do our, us any favors with the pandemic because we're all learning like what to do through all that. So like you didn't want to table stuff, but there were certain things that we kind of had to put on the back burner until we could kind of get the other things more in line. So that's kind of just a message for the safety professionals is or the, the companies, you know, be, be flexible because stuff's going to come up that you don't anticipate and you're going to have to react. Like when we have a hurricane potentially going through the, the state of Florida, like certain things are gonna to have to give and take to make sure you know we're ready for certain hurricanes or natural disasters or situations that kind of beyond our control. All right, thanks guys for joining us. You can get a hold of myself, Alana, Kevin, or any of our other experts at mozillacompanies.com. Don't forget to pop into our learning center. We have a ton of information there. Subscribe to Safety Factor wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can watch it on the Lifting and Rigging channel on YouTube. Thanks for watching or listening, and stay safe out there.